Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. One of the heavy hitters for a heavy-hitting team is coming on here. Michael Schwartz of ESPN. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Nate. Always good to be on here. Yeah. A lot more fun to talk about them than the first times we started doing these. That's true. That's true. Although, I mean, that, that loss in Game 7, obviously, I mean, that's got to linger Yeah. Oh yeah. a little bit. I, I mean, that, I don't want to get too sidetracked because we're going to talk about this year. But, you know, I, I think it is important to go back and look at what it was that felled this Suns team that I think for many was the championship favorite right up until the end of the first quarter of Game 7 against the Mavs. I, I thought you know i talked about with hollinger afterwards like it was basically to me i couldn't remember a more shocking game in all of nba history um it must have just been like a a crazy feeling but i I guess maybe now because everyone is back again like you felt like oh man they they can't bring the same team back like they're gonna have major changes i i'm glad that they brought everyone back i'm glad that in the end they didn't totally overreact to this uh that loss oh yeah completely agree just from the standpoint of the big question mark about whether you're going to bring him back or not is DeAndre Ayton and if you don't bring him back you're probably replacing him with a Miles Turner a Yaka Pirtle a center of that ilk and that would really be a pretty significant downgrade and I think would um, hurt their immediate prospects as well as their future prospects so I agree with that that it was smart not to completely overreact to that and there were extenuating circumstances there was certainly some COVID going through the, the whole organization not that that completely uh excuses whatever that performance was because like yeah like you said it was just absolutely shocking the game was over really it felt like in the first six minutes certainly by the end of the first quarter it was and that's just not this team we've seen all year it's it's been a team that's made great comebacks uh, a lot of close games they just don't get blown out like that it was honestly just completely shocking from what we've seen all year that it really the whole the last five games obviously they were up 2-0 they lose four of the last five games it just didn't really look quite like them they didn't have that same pizzazz uh chris paul seemed to be dealing with something he certainly wasn't nearly the player he was even going back to the first round he had a 14 for 14 game in round one and then in in round two he was pretty ineffective so um I agree. It's it's so easy to overreact to, to playoff performances. And then the other thing, in a situation like that, you can say, hey, you just ran into a bad matchup. It wasn't a bad matchup. The Suns had won nine straight against this team. The <laughs> Suns have dominated this team really since uh, Luka and Aiton were drafted. This has been really one of their best matchups. And so you can't blame it on that. It was just, like you said, one of the more surprising outcomes in NBA history. I don't know about yeah. the most. I'm sure we could find one more surprising well, well, in, outcome. In terms of, certainly was up there. In terms of the outcome in one individual game that's yeah no I'm, 
certainly I'm with you. From I'm a, with you. From a ser- series standpoint, uh, yeah, I mean, there have been bigger upsets uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I pointed out before that too, because I did pick it to go seven, although I picked the Suns to win, was we hadn't seen the Suns against like this iteration of the Mavericks. No Chris Stapps, Porzingis, right. Spencer right. Dinwiddie, an empowered Jalen Brunson playing five out for probably 35 minutes a game or so. Um, and, and I thought like this Maverick team was very, very hard to play against to the point where I actually yep. wrongly picked them against the Warriors in the next series and the Warriors actually ended up handling them pretty easily in the end uh so yeah I, I mean I guess the the place to start then is just you know what really went wrong in that Mavs series as we're again I mean we will talk about the regular season obviously but since we're on the subject what went wrong and and what are the chances that that won't go wrong again because they pretty much are bringing back the same team yeah I mean I think the the biggest thing with the Suns last year is they rely on two creators to uh, create their offense right Chris Paul and Devin Booker Chris Paul just wasn't himself the the Mavericks saw that and they were able to put a ton of pressure on Booker make him get the ball out of his hands make someone else beat you and there really wasn't anyone on, on top of that um, two years ago campaign was just a revelation off the bench and he could yeah. do a decent job of beating some of that pressure and he was also nowhere to be found obviously a, a pretty bad defensive matchup in, in that series for him as well and um, they just didn't have that third person who could step up and create offense when they were hard trapping book all the time and when chris paul just wasn't himself yeah i i thought there like i mean chris paul obviously struggling was number one i mean the, the oh, mavs yeah. really shut them down in the last five games of that series in a way that i didn't think was possible particularly when you saw how badly they killed him in the, in the first two games and certainly there yeah. was unsustainable mid-range shooting like danny and i actually made a bet on what the sun percentage would be from mid-range for the rest of the mm. playoffs after game two and yeah because you know, i think to that point it had been like 60 percent or something in the series and you know they ended up being like kind of right around league average if, if memory serves like about 40 percent the rest of the series and they you know that wasn't going to be good enough for them and then chris you know he by the end he wasn't even really able to get any shots off at all yeah uh, um and so you just wonder about especially when guys are injured who are old it's like all right well they might not be injured next year but they're also a year older or maybe Maybe they're injured, more likely to be injured because they're old. And so you never know really, you know, James, I'm kind of going through this with James Harden right now too, trying to project him in Philly uh, of just what they're going to be as they get older, but also potentially healthier at the same time. I, I do think though, the Mavs exposed some concern uh, with this mm-hmm. team. Um, you know, they didn't really have a, a way to deal with Luca in the end. Uh, you know, I, I think there have been the opinions of DeAndre Ayton defensively have kind of waxed and waned. And I thought he, what they weren't really able to figure out a way to deal with Luca and the five out which you know it's hard like really you have to be able to switch that's the only way you can deal with that and mm-hmm. they did a great job of going at Chris Paul who I've I've said for years the team should go at him more with quicker players and individual defense that uh you know his reputation has kind of prevented that and and you know Jalen Brunson really was able to attack him pretty well it seemed like or Luca was and you know if they got eight and switched on the perimeter Luca was able to, to beat him in that game seven so I think they do have like a few structural weaknesses on defense in the playoffs that, that were a, a little bit of a concern to me um you know so so it's a, that's that's one thing why I was a little bit lower on them as a playoff team than maybe some people were yeah and um in the past Mikel Bridges has done a fine job I actually looked at the numbers right before the series and it wasn't as good as I seem to remember I seem to I mean with the Suns having one nine straight yeah um 
I guess uh, narratively, I remembered him doing better against Luca than the numbers actually backed up. And yeah, like you said, just a tough matchup. He, he couldn't take him one on one, which, you know, OK, you can't take one of the best two or three players in the world one on run one. That's not the uh, biggest problem in the world. But yeah, that's that's really when it comes down to why the Suns lost the last two years. They ran into Luca and Giannis. They just didn't have an answer for those guys. And not I mean, it's it's a problem insofar as you're going to see them again. But a lot of teams don't have answers for those two, you know? Yeah, no. No, that's true. And I mean, you know, Mikhail Bridges, there aren't many other guys I would rather have guarding Luka Doncic, but there's yeah. just only so much that one guy can do when you can just set a screen and, you know, you can't put you on the ball with Luka. He's going to carve that up instantly. Oh, yeah. Uh, with his size and, and the steam he gets on his passes to the weak side. And obviously, you know, Dallas got hot from three at times, too. Like, I, I'm not going to tell you that if they play that series 100 times that the Suns are going to lose more than half of it. I don't think that's the case, probably. Um, so, I, I mean, I think the one one thing maybe this offseason you would say they could have done was try to get a little bit more athletic on the perimeter uh yeah to, you know for try to bring in maybe a jeremy grant but it didn't seem like they really you know the pistons were trying to not take back salary in that deal it seemed like that deal with uh, portland was kind of preordained the sun certainly could have had the firepower to go get it it was one milwaukee first rounder that the price ended up being but then there was also the salary yeah. issue as well so you know someone like that uh, but i think ultimately to bring it back a, a team that won 64 games is pretty good um what do you see as we go into this year now for this regular season like what are some of the big themes that, that you're going to be watching with this group I mean I think the number one theme is what does DeAndre Ayton add to his game obviously that's been the biggest well besides the Kevin Durant flirtations the biggest storyline for the Suns this summer was the DeAndre Ayton restricted free agency which of course he ends up signing an offer sheet with Indiana that got matched within minutes and you know DA's has seemed the last two years it's sort of taken a backseat of his own offense so that he can go set hard screens roll hard do what a Chris Paul offense demands and he's done a really nice job of it but he certainly has talked about wanting to have more of a role so I'm curious to see what he adds can he add any creation can he take guys off the dribble there were a time or two in the New Orleans series where he did that and I was like whoa where is that this I haven't seen too much of that from him but if you have that in your bag that that kind of changes what I think of him a little bit so I I think uh, DeAndre Ayton is where I'm going to start. And then uh, well, well Cam quickly Johnson. to react to that uh, be- before you yeah. to, to Cam Johnson, I think Ayton, like this season needs to be a lot about DeAndre Ayton. Like I, th- I think absolutely, they, you know, they won the 64 games last year. They know what they can do in the regular season. It's not going to be as important. You know, Chris Paul, there's ever more reason to preserve him at this point in time. Let's see whether DeAndre Ayton can actually create some offense. Like let's just throw in the ball and fucking see what happens. Like, and if it's not, that great okay fine we know that now but let's give him the chance let's uh, let's see if he can work on actually drawing some fouls and using his power game a little more in addition to that preternatural touch that he has i, I think that's a a great point i think they should be emphasizing him absolutely as much as possible um you know uh and hopefully that will help to smooth over any ruffled feathers that might remain from the restricted free agency process uh, as well yeah i couldn't agree more because in the playoffs like you said in the regular season you don't really need it but there's times in the playoffs or maybe oh Booker's injured for most of the Pelican series and you need someone else to step up or that Dallas series Chris Paul's quite not quite himself you got a team that's not very big 
Like that was a series where Aiton really should have feasted and he just never did. So I think that's by far the number one thing. And then just what I was going to say, what can Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges add as far as especially shot creation? Um, we know what those guys can do. Cam's a elite three-point shooter. Mikel's a, a good three-point shooter. Um, those are really good role players, but can they elevate themselves to be kind of a role player plus type of player on offense? Defensively, you know exactly what you're getting out of Mikel Bridges. Second, in uh, Defensive Player of the Year voting last year. But just what more can he give you on the offensive end? Yeah, that's an, an interesting question. You know, getting to that mid-ranger as well. I, I mean, I think actually the number one thing I'd like to see from Bridges is just upping his three-point volume. You know, you know that's... Yeah, I mean, he's definitely. such a good shooter. And I mean, that probably applies to the whole team, quite frankly. I mean, he yeah, actually was yeah. down shooting the three last year, 37%, and only 3.9 for 36 minutes, which with some of the other guys that they have, you know, he's got like kind of a long release out in front of his body that he's worked hard to speed up so i mean maybe you say hey he's only 37 he only took 3.9 for 36 minutes like maybe there isn't more there but i think just as a, an entire team they need to work on getting more three-pointers up and you know I, I think maybe this dallas series can be the impetus to do that because this yeah. dallas team does not have premium defensive talent like they have a really good system and they stopped the jazz in round one and they stopped phoenix in round two but the warriors just completely lit them up yeah in, in the next round and part of that was just the brilliance of Steph and what a unique force he is but you could see that when you could actually spread the floor against these guys they didn't have the athleticism or, or the rim protection to compensate so that's yeah I'd like to see that from Bridges for Cam Johnson I, I think all right yeah you know what maybe he can get better on on offense fine I think he probably will he's got to get better on defense like he got lit up yeah. in the playoffs which is a yeah. big surprise like the whole theme was hey this guy's been like getting way better than expected on defense and, like that's part of why he's so playable and like he's gonna get a, an extension because of that like they just went at him both teams did the Pels and uh even more so the Mavs so that's the biggest thing for me is like he's got to get better in individual defense yeah and he might be the starting power forward this year I know we're going to get into that yeah. I think he should be certainly long term um so yeah definitely needs to hold up a little bit better there uh and just real quickly back to that Maverick series it really was it came down to math in some respects the Mavs were shooting their million threes especially those games in Dallas and the Suns are combating that with mid-range and it it worked most of the year. I mean, he won 64 sure. games largely doing that, but um, it, it came to that point in the playoffs where you got Dorian Finney-Smith hitting six threes and you just can't keep up with that kind of math. What else is on your mind as we go into this season? Um, I mean, just really the hangover from that Dallas game, just what, you know, the, the last two years have really been such a revelation. Um, obviously, going into two years ago, no one really knew what to expect from this team and it, the whole year sort of felt like the plucky underdogs that become the two seed in the West, second best record in the NBA. And then last year was those, oh, uh, lost in the finals. This is our revenge year. We're taking it out on everyone. There really isn't a lot to prove in the regular season. Um, and I think that a lot of people aren't going to take them seriously, no matter what. They, they could win 60 games again, and people will say, well, what about the Dallas series? So I'm curious to see how they handle it. Um, they were going hard the whole regular season. You know, They wanted every one of those 64 wins. They wanted the franchise wins record which they did get. Um, you'd see them on the second night of a back-to-back -back where some teams would be resting their stars and maybe you should have been resting your stars and they're going hard and they're winning games in Denver and Miami. They're winning uh, schedule losses more than once yeah. I, I, in Brooklyn too. They, you know, games that you just don't expect them to really have much of a chance and, and they, they go ahead and do it. Um, 
I'd almost want them to peel it back a little bit, you know, like give Chris Paul those second nights for back to backs off. I know he hates that, but just the regular season wins just doesn't matter nearly as much as peaking at the right time. And this this team did the exact opposite. They played their worst basketball at the at the worst time. Yeah. And some of that, I mean, I think people forget that Booker missed almost the whole first round with a hamstring issue and came back early yeah. from that. He looked so good at the start of the Dallas series that you kind of forgot about that, but it seemed like you know that started to wear on him as time went on as well it's a sad commentary on today's nba that basically every single one of these previous like hey de-emphasize the regular season like don't don't try so hard winning mm-hmm. 64 games what what kind of an idiot would ever want to do that right it, so that's too bad but that's the the reality of the incentive structure that's uh, been put in front of these these teams at this point I, man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us I'll add another big theme that I'm focused on, and that's just the aging and the role of Chris Paul. And, yeah, you know, he certainly had one of the greatest clutch seasons ever. This is one of the greatest clutch teams ever a year ago. And in that Pelican series, he was adding to his legacy the first two games of the Dallas series. And then he really fell off. And I thought that Dallas did the best job of any team I've ever seen attacking the weaknesses of Chris Paul. He mm-hmm. talked about defense, but then also on offense. They didn't guard him. When he didn't have the ball, they didn't guard him. And if you go and look at some of his stats like with regard to that it's crazy he 57 percent of all of his possessions that he took a shot on were in the pick and roll last year in the regular season less than 10 percent were out of spot ups and no dribble spot ups he took i think like 45 spot up jump shots all season in the regular season mm-hmm. and he's a good shooter he just like it's kind of funny again to bring it back to james harden he's kind of the same word that's just like chris doesn't want to do that like he wants to he'll take the shot off the dribble uh but he has to be wide open to take a spot up three and if you're, he's going to play off the ball more this year we're talking about a eight and posting up more and uh you know uh cam johnson and bridges do it more and you know maybe you're going to transition more at the end of games into booker doing more stuff like chris paul's got to shoot the ball like when he's open yeah. he's a good shooter like he needs to just boost that he needs to take two or three at least spot up three pointers a game uh to uh, again getting back to the idea that these guys don't take enough threes so uh and you know we'll see like his isolation numbers in the regular season weren't good last year either like he kind of slipped a little bit there and you know didn't have as good of a season other than the clutch and so i think like hopefully these young guys all take a step forward and he can kind of save it more even more to the clutch but he still needs to shoot a three-pointer when he's open if that's going to be the strategy yeah no question and you felt so many times in the dallas series just hey shoot the ball chris shoot the ball chris like you're like you said you're wide open this is a an elite shooter and he just for whatever reason didn't want to and that just plays into dallas's hand and um, with the lack of playmaking outside of Booker besides him, uh, it, it just wasn't going to work for you. Yeah. So, and then obviously just how effective he can be in, in the playoffs playing his usual game as well will be a, a, another one. And, you know, for all these teams, you've got the rising tide of these young guys, but Chris, you know, I mean, he, he's aged better than just about any small guard in NBA history. Yeah. But, you know, there's, you still expect a slight drop off uh, at least. Um, all right. So, so is that, is that as far as kind of like major? themes that we we wanted to talk about here i think that's, yeah i'd say so that's probably about it um i mean the yeah. the other thing just that's kind of interesting a lot of these guys at least had their names in the trade rumors pretty much the whole team it seems like mm-hmm. outside of paul and booker just with the suns being a team on durant's preferred list and um you know even guy mikhail bridges cam johnson were guys certainly in the crosshairs of it deandre ayton was very much in the middle of a lot of stuff before he signed his offer sheet and it seemed like all the key players jay crowder certainly he's even he's been liking instagram comments and weird stuff like that that you wonder if he 
wants to be there. So um, the continuity has been such a huge part. I mean, continuity is the story of this team, right? Like they they brought back everyone. They put their their biggest addition was Dario Saric, who's been with the team for two years. Um, the the guys they actually signed in free agency are probably third stringers. So just how much will that affect them? Uh, granted, if your name's in trade rumors for Kevin Durant, I think you can understand that. Yeah. This is a guy who I think will end up as a top 10 player all time, certainly top 15. Um, very much understandable, but still like they're, these guys are humans. You can't love hearing it. So I'm just wondering exactly how how they'll react to some of that. It's and yeah. it's probably nothing, but it's just one of those things that's a little bit in the back of my mind there. Yeah, and you also have some guys, Sharich on an expiring contract, Crowder on yeah, an a lot of guys contract um, yep. yeah so some of the lower level of guys Shamit is on a contract that's not particularly desirable given where his playoff contribution was a year ago even with Devin Booker out you know he wasn't really able to contribute at the level that he would have yeah. wanted Tory Craig so they they have a lot of salary that they could potentially move here uh, for some of these yeah. lower level guys campaign might be another one as well so uh, and there's still the DeAndre Ayton thing too if you oh well hey let's see uh you know at the trade deadline line if kd wants out again maybe uh deandre would get traded for him if he's playing really well something along those lines so yeah that's gonna be a, an interesting theme and also the other thing that looms of course is the luxury tax which i believe robert yeah. sarver has never paid am i correct about that yeah um no they paid it in uh nine ten that's right that's right but they, they haven't paid it since then i don't i don't know if they paid it before. if they paid any before that it was it was small this will certainly be their largest luxury tax bill yeah. a, as things stand and, and that's back with the, a much friendlier tax and even you know back yeah. when they had teams that were championship contenders they made yeah. a lot of tax avoiding moves back then but yeah right now the suns are 17 million dollars in the tax 34 million dollar tax payment team salary plus tax of just over 200 million dollars and you certainly think that particularly like Tory Craig is probably not really going to play that much I'm interested to see whether salary gets offloaded what assets mm-hmm. are required to do that and can you do that in conjunction with getting back players who are going to help right I, I think they're definitely going to be active in the trade market potentially or at least in trade talks you never know what'll come together um, and the other key thing is we all know from the Durant saga the Suns own all their future first round picks so yeah. they can give the full boat if they wanted to let's trade four first and three pick swaps if i mean if for the right certain player that you've already mentioned in a if uh if deandre Ayton has a has a great year um with durant still i mean who knows what's going to happen with that situation but i think the suns will be lurking for for any player uh between the luxury tax concerns but uh, which i hope aren't an issue but like you said you never know sarver's never paid it to this degree and um I think the Suns are definitely going to be active in looking for another creator and looking for ways to upgrade their team. Yeah, and quite frankly, if they take Tory Craig off this roster and trade him for nothing, they save eighteen million dollars. <laughs> like, like yeah. you're—it's probably a smart move to do that. Yeah. Just to, in general, to give up cash and seconds. I mean, obviously, once you're trading first, then you you, you run into some yeah. issues. Um, don't want to do that. Yeah. We uh, the Kurt Thomas situation can never happen again. Oh man, yeah. For those who don't remember, they traded two first round picks 
Brutal. With Kurt Thomas. I think one of them became Serge Ibaka, if memory yep, serves. Yep. Uh, yeah. To what was then the Sonics and, and Sam Presti and his rebuild right at the beginning. And then they yeah. traded Thomas to the Spurs and got another. So they got three first round picks out of that. <laughs> great, great work for them. Yeah. Not so much for uh, the. I, I guess that's true. Yeah. The like getting something for the guy coming and going. That was like the first time that Sam did that. He's done that a lot in this iteration of the rebuild, too. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this rotation. Now, you alluded to potentially that they might. Might change things up in the starting lineup you think i think they're definitely going to look at it um i th- some of the weird crowder stuff I, I mean just speculating wondering if they know cam's coming um i felt even last year cam johnson probably was a starting caliber player and probably should have been there I, I understand crowder fits well with the starters and he's just such a sort of glue guy that um maybe you start him and you have cam finish but uh the Suns lineup with Paul Booker, Bridges, and Aiton. Uh, obviously, those four are starting. We all know that. They're locked in. Um, with Cam Johnson last year, they played 22 games together. They were 18 and four. They had a plus 29.5 net efficiency. So, so it was a pretty, it was a very small sample size. It was only 42 minutes, but um, still, I think that hints at how uh, efficient this lineup can be. I mean, you've just got shooters everywhere. Um, Like you said, the defense, especially if you've got a big four, you could kind of be in some trouble there defensively. But um, I think this is the Suns, certainly their best offensive lineup. And I think it's the lineup that I'd like to see closing games. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends, you know, if you have someone that Jay Crowder needs to guard, I think that's, Oh yeah, definitely. That's important. Uh, But uh, you know, one of the things too, with, uh, you know, and Crowder, like he'll make plays around the basket just with, uh, as a help defender and getting some steals, which Johnson's necessarily not necessarily going to do. And so you, but you know, Crowder's also a little bit older. It's interesting. If they extend Cam Johnson, yeah, then go ahead and start Mm -hmm. him. If they don't extend him, now you're, like boosting yeah. his value and restricted free agency by right. starting him all, all year but obviously that's not going to enter into monty williams thinking of no, what's going to win he won't games. care about that at all yeah yeah so that is a good point we'll see we'll see if they get it done i kind of feel like they won't especially with all the uh future money on their books and since pretty much everyone else has been extended i'm sure they want to keep them definitely but that definitely feels like one that's headed to rfa don't you think i do particularly because it makes it much more difficult to trade him yeah I would think that it would have to be an extremely team-friendly deal uh, for the Suns to bite on that. So Crowder is probably your backup four then if you're starting Johnson or or vice versa. How is the backup rotation in the backcourt going to shake out, you think? I I think it's going to be the same as last year with uh, Campaign and and Landry Shamit. I think both those guys really had down years. And I think the Suns, they've certainly invested in them, Shamit in particular, to expect quite a bit more production. Uh, obviously, you, you brought in Damian Lee from the Warriors. He certainly could figure in that. But um, I feel like Shamit's shooting, which was in- inconsistent at times last year, um, I think that's important enough that they're going to give him a- a certainly another go at it. And they need campaign. I mean, it's it, not it's not great that they're relying on him, but uh, you saw that in the Dallas series where um, when Chris Chris Paul struggled if they they weren't even going they were going to sham it they weren't even going to campaign yeah they played Booker at at backup point guard right exactly so I mean you go back to last postseason campaign was great against the Lakers when Chris Paul was out the two games with COVID he stepped up huge against the Clippers and they need that campaign who's just a huge spark plug um 
and guy one of the few guys who can really create for himself and others and that didn't happen certainly in the playoffs and the regular season certainly was down as well so i think that th- they need campaign to be back to what he was or they need to make a trade honestly like, like well, yeah they, if, if or that if he's not playing well like they can't go into the playoff with chris paul and devin booker as the only two guys in this team that can dribble like no I, question I mean, and maybe maybe bridges can do enough but like even just to bring the ball up right i mean that was another thing where chris paul just yeah like yeah. was just getting hounded full court and it's just like you you know they, they would run do little things where he would give the ball up and then get it back in the front court but then it's devin booker and you know just the overall pressure yeah that teams are going to try to bring against them in the playoffs and there's a lot of good defensive teams in the west that are going to try and do that like you just need to have someone that you trust to be come in and be a secondary ball and then and i think there are guys that they could potentially get on the trade market for that role um you know we haven't talked even in free agency um i kind of think schroeder could be interesting in that role um i i mean i'm a little surprised that he hasn't signed yet or or i don't i don't know what his situation or what's going on with him and you you figure it would be a trade but just you're looking at him like man schroeder would have been someone who would have helped in that dallas series i don't know about defensively but certainly offensively to break some of that pressure provide another ball handler they very much could have used a player like that yeah it's definitely possible and it just remains to be seen what kind of role he's willing to come in and accept they're not going to pay him any more than the minimum surely even though they do have the mini mid-level available they're at 14 players right now with jock landale on a non-guarantee maybe shooter's thinking if he has a good euro basket he'll have better offers but yeah i mean you know shooter for a team that had a good culture and then all of a sudden didn't like he's kind of known as like a first class asshole around the locker room so that's that's another issue but you'd hope that with monty and chris paul and company you, you could deal with that but I, you know maybe he just doesn't want to come in and compete with yeah. campaign um he played well with chris paul in okc that one year when paul oh was yeah there. you know i forgot about that yeah that's uh so i guess uh, they've got the history yeah I, I think that it might be more on his end of not wanting to come in I, oh I yeah i do think he could help them i i do agree with you on that um you know i guess before we continue on the rotation we haven't really even talked about their best player devin booker which is yeah a, a tribute to him i guess that he's just locked in but what did you make of his season last year and you know is, are there some steps he can take for it it's probably more going to be in the incremental range now uh, with him yeah getting into the prime of his career but is there anything you think he realistically could get better at this season? I mean, it, it's, I agree with you. I think it's just incremental. I mean, it, in particular, his defense has just grown by leaps and bounds from what it was certainly as a rookie. Um, I think just continuing to improve as a playmaker, he already is a, is a very good one. Um, I, I mean, he's averaged upwards of six, almost seven assists per game in his career before Chris Paul got there. So I think it's maybe adding a little bit more as a lead ball handler, becoming, uh, more of that role but like you said he's we haven't talked about him he's dude was fourth in mvp voting i think he deserved that every bit of it um i think he's largely the the engine of the team like i think sometimes chris paul gets too much of the shine and that yeah. people don't see ju- just because booker was there when this team was terrible for several years and chris paul comes in and all of a sudden they're a top two team in the west um i think that booker doesn't quite get the shine for how much he's improved and um 
what what he's done for this team and how much of this team's improvement is due to him. Yeah, some interesting trends in his statistical profile. Two years ago, 1920, career high, 62% true shooting. That's been down in the 59-58 range. Still for a, a guard, the, well above average and, and above the league average. Um, free throw rate, troubling decline from yeah. about uh, 0.40 down to 0.26 a year ago. I think he's someone who's been hurt a little bit by some of the changes in the rules whether it's uh you know making it a non-shooting foul when you feel contact and, and throw something up on the perimeter or the or the pump fake stuff jumping in for whatever reason that's gone down a, a little bit but he was up to 38 percent from three last year yeah, which that's huge it's huge but it's also a little bit not quite an outlier because he did have one other season that was in the high 30s mm-hmm. but he's largely been below 35 percent other than that so that's can he consolidate the, those gains that's probably number one to me yeah. because you know when a guy takes a big step forward for shooting sometimes it's because he's better sometimes it's just you know a, a little bit more luck and like you know can he up his three-point attempt rate a little bit uh, as the whole team kind of needs to do i think uh, particularly during the regular season that's another question i have about him anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a show room rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And, you know, the Booker three-point shooting, uh, the numbers have always really been baffling because, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's going out there and winning three-point contests with his eyes closed practically. So, like, it, the numbers never made sense to me for what kind of shooter he seemed to be. And some of it is taking tough shots at the end of a shot clock, all that sort of thing that you need to do as a, a star player. But um, to me, it feels like those numbers finally caught up to what it feels like he should be as a shooter. Yeah. So, I, I agree completely that's that's one of the huge things that if consolidating those gains uh, and three-point shooting and being putting up the kind of numbers that you'd think Devin Booker would from three um as opposed to those earlier career numbers where it was just kind of baffling that a guy who seems to be this good of a pure shooter and is such a good mid-range shooter just isn't statistically as good from three-point range yeah and I undersold him a 
little bit. You know, he's, he hasn't really been below 34% except for, for one year. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's he went from 34 to 38%. It, we'll kind of see. Yeah, uh, that's that. enormous. Uh, all right, let's see. Any other kind of rotation battles that Monty Williams is going to have to sort out here? Um, I mean, I'm just curious what Sharich's role is going to be exactly, because that's kind of the one piece you're inserting in there. Um, I certainly expect him to be the backup center, but there, you assume with Aiton, there's not going to be a whole lot of those minutes. So are you playing him with Aiton too much? Are you going with the double bigs? And just how big of a role he's going to have? Because I think he's the one guy of the players they didn't have last season that could definitely definitely make the biggest impact um whereas the i mean the the jock landales damian lee certainly josh akogi i don't think they're gonna necessarily crack the rotation yeah tory craig is in that deep bench role as well although i think all of those guys can have moments with this group potentially in the regular season yeah the backup center biombo they signed him at midseason yeah and he, he had some good guy i thought he actually was pretty good as a switch defender at times in the playoffs yeah. So that that was an interesting aspect of his game, and uh, all of a sudden, playing with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, he's able to catch the ball and finish, which was a, a big problem <laughs> yeah. for him. But they had two years ago, for those who don't remember, this alchemy where the numbers were unbelievable on that second unit with Sharich at center. I don't think that he would have been a great matchup against Milwaukee. He went down in Game One of that yeah. series, although it was so close. Maybe just a couple of threes here and there could have made a difference. And you know, they're they're yeah. playing Frank Kaminsky at center though, so. I, I don't think he would have been worse. It's a good point. <laughs> that that is a very good point. So and just to have an option to play that five out style, just a, a little bit more versatility. Yeah. Particularly in the regular season. Now Sharge, I think, has his own defensive issues, particularly coming back from the ACL. Sure. And they're they're gonna really work him in slowly. He's gone from zero to sixty in this Eurobasket right now. This is his first action since the ACL. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, a tough tournament to just jump right back into in terms of competitive play but i think he can give them a different look and i just i i like the ability to go with either biombo just the the bigger size guy or with sharich and uh see if you can get more penetration to the basket with the space that charge would provide as a backup five because that's another thing that this team they shoot an incredible percentage at the rim but they don't actually yeah. get there all that often. yeah no question it'll be interesting to see what he can do a lot um also I think campaign played a lot better. Like you said, uh, the bench was overall pretty good with Sharitz two years ago. So I think that might help um, having that five out guy, having a guy who's just a really good connector, really good in Monty's system uh, will be helpful. And I, I agree. I like having the different looks you can throw out because like when you when you play Milwaukee, you'd rather have Biombo in there certainly than Sharitz. I feel like he'd be more helpful if, if that were to be a, a series again. Any of these deeper bench guys that they have intrigue you at all? Yeah, Landale actually does intrigue me a little bit. I I don't expect him to play much unless there's injuries, but I feel like he also fits the system, can shoot it a little bit. Maybe even like a um a mini Sharich can do some of the same things that he does, give them that sort of a look that they didn't have last year. So he intrigues me. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's you know, the the season's not gonna come down to those guys. Yeah, it, Josh Akogi was a starter at times in Minnesota when they really desperately needed his defense. He is an absolute impact player in transition and making plays from the guard position defensively, but he just has never been able to shoot the ball at all. Yeah. Is there a possibility that getting set up in this phoenix system that he could start to make shots like i think so and then he could be a really valuable player because they don't really have other than 
McHale, like anybody who can do any kind of ball hawking, getting into guys on the perimeter, forcing turnovers. Right. You know, they're just much more a solid positional defense. Like they weren't really like making a ton of plays defensively. So he's always intrigued me. I would have liked him to go to a team that maybe could play, you know, play him in that kind of Bruce Brown role, which is probably not going to happen with me. But maybe it could if they're going Sharich at center on the second unit. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you could have Okogi as that screener going downhill for some big finishes. You know, he can he can still attack a, off the dribble pretty well. He was a, a, a two guard growing up. So, and then Damian Lee, if he makes shots, which is you know that can kind of wax and wane over the course of his career. I think he's better defensively than Shamit. He's a good cutter, smart mm-hmm. player, like knows where to be. Shamit's obviously the better pure shooter. You can run more stuff for him. But I just think Lee, it's been lost that he actually really contributed to this Warriors team the last couple of years. Like I think, yeah, he, definitely. Uh, if he can make shots, which is possible, I I just like him as a as a cutter and connector type of player. So as a guy who can step in capably, you know, I like him. I think he might actually be better than Shamit. We'll see about that. So there's a, there are some intriguing guys. I mean, they they have good depth on this team. I thought like Akogi and Lee and Biombo for minimum signings is pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is Lee in particular. We saw what he did all year with the Warriors. If uh, Booker's out for two weeks and you need to move Shamit up and put or Orly and put um Lee in your rotation I don't think you would I mean you'll obviously miss a beat not having Booker but um I think that that's something that's at least sustainable in the regular season all right what are the big strengths uh, for this team that that we haven't hit on yet obviously there's the pick and roll play the mid-range shooting I think everyone kind of knows that but anything that we haven't hit on uh, too much yet well I mean just to say um We've hit on it a little bit, but this team was unbelievable in clutch time yeah. last year. They were 33 and nine in games that went to clutch time. It was the uh, fourth best record in clutch time over the last 25 seasons. The teams ahead of them, you've heard of them. The 16 Warriors, they were okay. The 07 Mavericks, they were at least very good in the regular season, not <laughs> so good in the playoffs. Yeah. 167 games. The, there are some and analogs the, between that 07 Mavericks team and this Suns team. I, it, I would yes, say. Un- un- that is unfortunately true. <laughs> They really are. Um, and then the other team is the 13 Heat, which I think might be LeBron's best team ever. So some yeah. absolute heavy hitters in in that department. Um, obviously, Devin Booker and Chris Paul were among the league leaders in shooting percentage in the clutch. And this was a team that played a lot of close games and just took over. Like ev- every time the game was close in the fourth quarter, you felt like they were going to win. And this is kind of an underrated stat um, that I th- some people might not realize, especially with how the season ended. The Suns did not lose any games when they were leading after three quarters they were 53 and 0 it's the second most wins without a loss behind only the uh, bubble lakers and uh the problem was they never had any fourth quarter leads in that dallas series at least those uh those four games they lost so this was a team that just did not blow leads was incredibly good in the clutch and you know you feel like it's because of booker and paul you feel like it's a sustainable thing and not like a a blip they were also good the year before not quite as good but um they're certainly good the year before in the clutch so um i think that's just sort of part of their identity yeah and in that pell series in particular even without devin booker the way chris paul is controlling it and if you're a team that can't defend with versatility like 
and you're playing like a drop center or something like you're just dead oh, in the clutch yeah, against no these chance. guys you're just hoping that they miss shots I, I mean i think it was that game game four i want to say which is the one that they won yeah they won game three okay. against the Pelicans. yeah yeah i think it, it was that one where you just yeah you could see cool. willie green who's obviously pretty familiar with this group just oh, yeah. dialing up every different coverage and chris paul's like oh you're gonna do that well i'm gonna just uh attack this weakness that you just opened up uh instead and so yeah i do think there is something sustainable about it although if you look at those teams that you mentioned they weren't like amazing in the clutch uh in other years right like the warriors added mm-hmm. kevin durant and had like a terrible clutch season <laughs> the year after yeah that, 73 and nine year um you know that that heat team i can't remember what happened then that dallas team actually had a run of pretty good clutch performances uh, over the years uh, but in any event they're not gonna be quite as good i don't think but I still right think- oh yeah there's always a little regression to the mean and that kind of situation yeah so so that's i mean that but that's gonna be fascinating of like how much that regresses during the regular season and we didn't really ever like it did sustain i guess it, into the postseason yeah. we never saw yeah. like they lost a series without ever getting to clutch time which you know it's kind of important to be good enough to get to clutch time to begin with like that's that's a bigger problem than losing clutch games you might say but yeah we we never really got a great answer of how that was going to play in the playoffs certainly though i mean some of the mid-range shooting numbers are just like there's yeah. no way they can sustain in the clutch right yeah. i mean it's just you know chris paul and devin booker are like 70 percent true shooting in the clutch like it's just yeah you, you can't sustain you can't that sustain that's it. like a lot of it i mean i think they deserve a lot of credit for getting great shots in the clutch like i think that part of it is what makes it so unsustainable but the conversion of those great shots like you can't maintain the level that they had last year and then the other strength uh you've hit on it there um, it's just an elite mid-range shooting team, scoring team. They had the third most mid-range points, the second best field goal percentage. Uh, one of the teams they're behind in both stats is the Nets, which is, so you're talking about Katie and Kyrie Irving. Anyone else besides that, they're better um, in the mid-range department. And I know you could say, is that necessarily a good thing to be so elite mid-range? But I, I think it's interesting while so many teams are going away from it and you have teams actively preventing it and you have all these defenses uh, fixated on making you take mid-range shots the Suns are like okay sure thank you I'll take these mid-rangers um obviously there's issues with how that holds up in the playoffs when you're playing the math game of two versus three but uh if you're talking about strengths of this team there's no question that uh, ability to score from the mid-range is is up on that list yeah you can also throw avoiding turnovers I mean this as a Chris Paul team and that, that's another one where they just do a, a fantastic job with that and just the, their overall system best I mean just the their consistency yeah. and just in the regular season it's like they just bad teams they're just gonna kill them. like whether maybe yeah. it might take until the clutch but like teams that are just kind of a run-of-the-mill defense like they can't deal with these these guys if you, you're not dynamic enough on, on the perimeter to really attack some of the weaker guys on this Suns team like you're you're not going to be able to really get great shots defensively I think they were number three in e-field goal percentage defense um you know without a ton of shooting luck if memory serves um how about weaknesses uh, well, one thing they they don't get the lot to the line. Fourth fewest free throw attempts per game, and like you said, Booker's uh, free throw rate was down. DeAndre Ayton has never gotten to the line the way you would expect a player that looks like him would. Um, just so physical or so physically imposing, but doesn't always play that way. Out likes his middies and stuff like that. So I think that um that's something that just hurts you in the playoffs when the other team's getting to the line more than you, and 
Uh, we saw that both of the last two postseasons. Certainly Giannis absolutely destroyed them. Um, and then same thing in the Dallas series. So not getting the line is is certainly on that list. Yeah, and then the three-point attempt rate, 27th in the yeah, NBA definitely. during uh, the regular season, which again, you're like, if you just rank the shooters, like all they have four guys who are plus shooters at their position or yeah. at least average shooters at their position. And like, and even like when you watch someone like Crowder, you know, he's pretty aggressive shooting from three. So yeah. is Booker, you know, but then Paul and Bridges are not very aggressive shooting the three. And then, you know, you're not really getting much from eight and maybe he'll, he'll shoot a few threes this year. But I, I think that's kind of whether he can make that or not. It, it's, it takes away from his inside game to have him standing out there. I would say actually their biggest weakness to me is the defensive versatility that mm-hmm. you at center i still don't quite buy ayton as a switch guy against the absolute highest level of guys particularly early in the shot clock you know one of the things that jason but who Kidd, is against that get those guys yeah, right no, that's true well kavon looney did a pretty good job on him right like there yeah, are he, yeah he did there he are did. some guys who who can do it um you know and, and they had some success another thing that they would do is they would get Aiton on Luca early in the possession and then they would have Chris Paul's man come and screen and so you've got Aiton way out on the floor Luca going yeah. downhill at Chris Paul and now you have no size I mean that's the other thing is they really other than Aiton they don't have much rim protection so that's another thing yeah. when you talk about versatility it's not only hey can DeAndre Aiton stay in front of his man out on the floor particularly if there's an early clock switch but it's also who's gonna be able to make plays beyond there now Bridges could do that a little bit but he's not a huge shot block guy like they they're not gonna play Biombo and Aiton together so they don't no, really have sure hope else. not yeah yeah exactly so yeah there and the, this has been the case the last two years they're susceptible to bully ball uh we saw that in the New Orleans series and uh the New Orleans matchup's only going to get worse when it's when it's Zion in there as one of the two guys because um a- Aiton can handle one of them but you just don't have two players unless you do want to go double bigs which hurts you uh, um on the other end of the floor not I, I'd hope you'd never go Aiton Biombo except in the most extreme circumstances but um well, Aiton would love I, that he would love to play the four <laughs> probably yeah he He's wanted to do that since college, but, uh, well, he did do that in college. Yeah. yeah Deuce on Ristic next to him. Yeah. yeah. Is, is, um, he, is he available? Could they sign him? To, to yeah. Him? I think he's playing for Serbia right now. So, uh, <laughs> he's a little busy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the lack of, um, I mean, Aiton is certainly a strong rebounder, but they don't really have that secondary strong rebounder. So they can be susceptible on the boards. Again, we saw that in the first round. One of the reasons that series was closer than it should have been. And, um, yeah, I don't know what the solution is because I don't know if, I don't necessarily think you want to go get 
a four um, who's a more prototypical four. I kind of like playing this way, but just um, if, if you've got Cam and Jay as your your fours, you're just not, you're going to be susceptible to some of that. Yeah, and you can add in as well just the overall team athleticism. You, know, you really, yeah. other than maybe Bridges and Aiton, there's mm-hmm. nobody on this team unless you're going to go deep into the bench with Kogi, who you look at as like a real premium athlete at their position. So, it, you know, it, it is just a very interesting team. I, I think as we talk about them more and more like i think their playoff offense is like kind of built for or, or, or their offense is kind of built for the playoffs i right. don't think their defense really is that much yeah. um you know and i would have loved to see what happened to, with them uh if they had gone up against golden state as well but they're also going to have to deal with the clippers who have a lot of uh, athleticism uh and hopefully we'll have Kawhi back the nuggets that'll be fat i mean I, I expect that if they play the nuggets in the playoffs it'll be like 130 to 129 every game oh yeah um so let's get into predictions here now and i will give you a ton of credit you if had it not been for their clutch performance you would have basically been right on the nail you had 58 wins for this group you thought they were going to come out after losing the finals and just absolutely kill people and you were right i think that was uh they obviously had the most wins in the nba by eight memphis was second with 56 last year so yeah. but you were basically predicting them to have the best record in the nba best record in the west i thought they'd be very good i think i still went over on them to have 51 yeah. wins uh so you you've got a, a nice little track record on this uh I'll let you uh, take it first here then. I'm I'm still probably going to be a little on the higher side. Obviously, there's going to be some regression to the mean, and I, I don't think they're going to go as hard in the regular season as they did last year. So I'm going 55 and 27. Yeah, you know, it just you wonder what it would be that would cause them to regress if anything mm-hmm. I mean, and i think they had better than average health a year ago like cp basically played every game uh and uh bridges played basically every game and they nobody missed like super significant time you know, i think bridges or, or uh booker was in the high 60s so they could have worse health they probably will have slightly worse health if paul misses time i think they you know they do need to come up with another solution as a ball handler like pain will need to bounce back I don't could be good yeah. for their playoff uh, yeah. um, outlook. Just having, you know, just being able to play like that. Sure. Won't be good for sure. their regular season win number, though. I think they're going to be, and I just, I don't know if they have it in them to really boost the three. It just doesn't seem like that's necessarily the mentality of any of these guys really wanting to boost the, the three-pointers from the, the front office down to, which is interesting because James Jones was one of the all-time, like, only take a yeah. three. Like, I yeah. think he went, he, like, went, like, six or seven years without ever <laughs> dunking the ball. <laughs> in his his time but he uh and then you know monty i don't think it, you know comes from that spurs system where they haven't like really emphasized just straight up bombing from the outside like they want to just move the ball get good shots if it's yeah. a three fine cp we talked about him bridges not really that aggressive so i don't know if that's gonna change too much <sighs> i mean 55 seems pretty good though i I got to say, I, I think their defense is going to regress. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'll go uh, 54 wins for these guys. Okay. But I, I think, you know, th- I mean, they could easily win high 50s again. Like that's, uh, that was sure. about where their point differential was. They're going to be good in the clutch. Like that's, I, I think at full strength, this is going to look like a high, you know, about the same team that they had last year. They're going to have charge back now. It's just, I think they're going to kind of throttle it back a little bit. And that's why I would lower their estimate. Yeah. And they should throttle it back. Are there any matchups that you particularly like or don't like for 
for them in the West playoff? Um, I mean, I think the Clippers will be a tough matchup just with all their athleticism and then having two big wings like Kawhi and and Paul George. Um, So I I think that's one that would be tough. I actually like the Denver matchup. Me too. Maybe it's because um, we just saw them have a pretty easy sweep two years ago, but Aiton does a decent enough job on Jokic straight up and they just killed Michael Porter Jr. um, when the Suns are on offense, Nuggets are on defense. Um, Obviously, Jamal Murray will change things a, a decent bit, but I feel like that's one matchup I'd take the Suns. I think I'd feel the same way. Uh, on that one um just against a team that's this heavy in pick and roll it's just the the Jokic problem just uh, becomes I think uh, untenable now I could easily see Denver just outscoring them in that series oh sure possibly but Aiton is just about the best guy I think to guard Jokic where now Jokic will it'll be a lot easier for him with Aiton having to deal with Jamal Murray coming off the pick and roll and then having to recover to Jokic but I, I still think yeah. he's, he's one of the best there um Golden State I think I like Golden State pretty well again just like uh, Golden State's defense of versatility like i'm not sure that uh cp can beat a switch uh, with some of their best guys at this point in time i don't yeah. think the suns have a great schematic way to deal with Steph when he starts getting on the ball so i don't like that matchup i think i'll probably pick golden state there what are your thoughts on that one yeah i i agree um I mean, they're, they're the champs. Um, I think that I think the Suns could play them pretty well. Um, and again, I think that series would come down to what Aiton does really on both ends. Because yeah. I, I don't feel like they have a great uh, matchup uh, for Aiton when, when he's on offense either. Um, but he's not often shown that um, aggressiveness to just kind of take over a series. I don't know if he necessarily could or would do that. And then, yeah, d- defensively, he'd just be the key to um, c- can he stay on Steph for a few seconds or, or is he just going to be barbecue chicken there? So I, I think um, Aiton would be the key, but I, I'd agree. I'd probably say the the Warriors in a long series at this point. Yeah, and, and I think who had home court in that it would be important. Yeah. Too. If the Suns had home court, that, that might change things. Um, let's see, who else do we need to talk about? Uh, that's that's probably about it as far as like upper, yeah. like Dallas. I think I'm not as worried about now. Like I thought Brunson was a big part of the matchup problem there. Definitely. Um, maybe Dallas will, will make a move that'll change, but Dallas is just going to be playing, I think, a lot more conventionally this year and that plays into the sun's hands to me so i i, I mean i i'm not necessarily going to say the suns would win that series for sure but i i don't think they match up particularly poorly with dallas in some of the ways yeah. that they did a year ago yeah so i think that's about honestly it. i don't love the pelicans matchup i mean who knows what they'll be but i think that would at least not saying they'd lose to them but i think that would be a tough matchup just for yeah. um having to handle zion and then still having the big guy on top of it so i i think that um I mean, if it's, and I, I actually think New Orleans going to be a lot better next year. Um, so I, I think that would at least be, I'm not saying I would, I'd still probably pick the Suns, but I think that's one that would give them trouble. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I haven't really, I just have no, I've, I got to start thinking more about what this Pels team is going to be. That's why we do all these, these outlooks. Yes. Um, so it, what do you think? Probably like you would pick a hard fought second round loss as the most likely outcome at this point at the yeah at this point um i still think they're going to be aggressive in the trade market so um i think there's a decent chance that changes but yeah like a second round loss to the clippers probably sounds about right um but as you know there's a range of outcomes i mean i think if i had to pick anyone to have the best record in the west this year it'd probably be them though yeah yep so i think we said we said the same thing last year and we're right (laughs) um yeah who did i have as the top record in the west last year it's a great question oh ah yes of course the la lakers with 54 wins oh no oh boy <laughs> uh, uh you weren't the only I one had, who was wrong i had with the that suns 
I had the Suns at number two with, with okay. 51 wins. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I had the Jazz as the best record in the West. 56, then Lakers 54, Suns 51 was third. Okay. Uh, yeah, don't pay attention to me. Just just unsubscribe. <laughs> right <laughs> now is, is, the, is the lesson there. All right, man. Well, you're still uh, doing work on NBA Today, I assume? Yes, I am. Year two coming up. So we've been on hiatus, and actually the show will be back on uh, Wednesday, tomorrow, from when we're filming this, taping this. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's good to get the season under our belt. I did a few things differently from the jump. We really used our studio a lot more. So be fun to see what we have in store for year two. Awesome. All right. So you can check that out during the day. It's five days a week, right? Yep. All right. So check that out on, on ESPN. Great accompaniment. And we will talk to you all very soon here. We'll have more season outlooks coming very shortly. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 